to 11am, September 23, 2007. 20-year-old Matthew Levison and his partner, 42-year-old Michael Atkins, leave the ARQ nightclub in Darlinghurst, Sydney. Matthew would never be seen again. Almost a year later, Atkins would be charged with his murder. With no body, no blood, no murder weapon and no crime scene, Atkins would be found not guilty of murdering Matthew. The electrician was also acquitted of an alternative charge of manslaughter. Is this a case of justice gone wrong? A police stuff-up? Or did the jury get it right? This is your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island. Another true crime podcast. So Matthew was open with his sexuality and fully supported by his family and friends. He was young, outgoing and full of energy. Matthew met Michael Atkins in 2006 and began a relationship with him. Matthew was 19 at the time and eventually he would move into Atkins' Cronulla flat. Matthew's parents, Mark and Faye Levison, had been introduced to Atkins before his disappearance, and although concerned about the 23-year age difference, they trusted Matthew's judgment to live his life as he saw fit. Atkins, a former bouncer, electrician, and black belt in ninjutsu, would often have young lovers and was reported to party and deal drugs at nightclubs. Matthew and Atkins spent the night of September 22, 2007, partying at the ARQ nightclub in Darlinghurst, Sydney. At 2.11am, they are seen on CCTV leaving the nightclub. Atkins is then seen at 3.06am, just 55 minutes later, re-entering the club. Later, Matt then sent text messages indicating that he and Atkins were having a disagreement. His first message is at 3.20am. Mike is having a fucking cry. He's taking me home and won't let me stay. Fucking cunt, said the first message. Then 10 minutes later, he sent another message to the same friend in ARQ. It would be the last text Matt would ever send. He needs to fucking get over himself, he said. Matthew was reported missing on Tuesday the 25th of September by concerned relatives after he failed to arrive at his work and could not be contacted. His abandoned car was located by police two days later on September 27th at Waratah Oval, Sutherland. Here's a news report from the St George and Sutherland Shire Leader. 3rd of October 2007. Police treat man's disappearance as suspicious. Cronulla. Police are appealing for public assistance to locate a 20-year-old man who was reported missing from Cronulla last month. Matthew Levison, 20, was reported missing on Tuesday the 25th of September by concerned relatives after he failed to arrive at his work and could not be contacted. He was last seen in the Cronulla area on Sunday 23rd of September and his car was located by police on Thursday afternoon 27th of September at Waratah Oval, Sutherland. Police are appealing for anyone who might have seen his car or noticed anyone near or with the car on that Thursday. It's described as being a green 1999 Toyota Seeker hatch, 
Police are also seeking any witnesses who may have been who may have given someone a lift from this vicinity. Police from Miranda local area command and his relatives are concerned for his welfare as his disappearance is totally out of character. Investigators are treating Matthew's disappearance as suspicious. He's described as being 170 to 180 centimetres tall, white European in appearance, thin build with short blonde hair. He was last seen wearing light brown cargo shorts, a black singlet and white leather shoes. Then the following day, Laura Speranza wrote, Police fear man has been murdered. Detectives now believe Matthew Levison of Cronulla was probably murdered. Police have turned the search for Mr Levison 20 into a homicide investigation after his disappearance on September 23 and the discovery of his abandoned car at Sutherland days later. Mr Levison's green 1999 Toyota Corolla Seeker hatchback was found parked outside the public toilets at Waratah Park Reserve. Miranda Local Area Command Crime Manager Adam Barwick said that the car was driven to the reserve between September 23 and 24. Inspector Barwick said evidence suggested that Mr Levison did not park the car there himself. We believe he met with foul play, Inspector Barwick said. Police have now issued an appeal for public assistance. They are asking anyone who saw Mr Levison on September 23 or saw the car being dropped off at the reserve. If you picked anyone up from the park that day or gave someone a lift from the area, please contact police. So the police have found the car abandoned and on inspection, they find it's been wiped clean of all fingerprints. Also, it's large subwoofer speaker box that took up most of the rear cargo space had been ripped out. And a receipt from Bunnings Warehouse, which is a large hardware chain, was found. The receipt was for a manic and a roll of gaffer tape. And it was purchased with cash on the afternoon, hours after Matt was last seen. Now, if you don't want to know what a matic is, it's what you dig trenches with. It's what you break up, uh, maybe rocky ground and that, so you can dig dig a hole. Police would later view CCT footage from the Bunnings, which would show a person matching Atkins' description buying the matic and gaffer tape. Police interview Atkins, and he would deny that he was the person on the video. He would also tell police that when he and Matt drove back to his Cronulla flat, that they did not argue, they didn't fight, and that when they arrived, Matt went to bed while he smoked a cigarette, watched television, and dozed on the couch. The next day, they spent a lazy Sunday afternoon together in the house, and he fell asleep on the lounge. When he woke up, Matt was gone, and he didn't worry too much uh, because Matt didn't have to work the next day. He did, however, send several text messages to Matt. Here they are. 7.40am on Monday. Baby, how are you? I woke up and you were not in bed. Did you go out to ARQ with Luke and Paul? Just let me know where you are. Miss you. At 5.26pm that day, Atkins wrote, Baby, will you call me please? What's up? And later still, Baby, where are you? You've got to go to work, Tomoz. What's up? The thing is, 
Matt's phone would be found under the passenger seat of Atkins' car. So he was actually in, he knew Matt didn't have the phone. On August the 5th, 2008, police would charge Atkins with the murder of Matt, but with no body, no blood, no murder weapon and no crime scene, the case would be substantially circumstantial and difficult to get a conviction. During a search of his home and his car, they won't find the mattock and gaffer tape, but they would find the huge subwoofer speaker box in his garage. Matt's parents would later say how Matt would never have taken the subwoofer box out of his car as he loved the sound it made. They would, however, find Matt's phone under the front passenger seat. They found no blood, no body. On August the 7th, 2008, Atkins refused to enter the courtroom at Sutherland Courthouse and the trial was scheduled to begin at September 3 at the Supreme Court, Sydney. During the trial, Atkins reserved his right to not take the stand and therefore did not have to answer questions about his actions. The court heard that they believed that Matt was killed around 4am on the Sunday after leaving the ARQ nightclub at around 2.11am. The prosecutor suggested that the big subwoofer speaker box was removed from Matt's car to make room for his body. A witness would also claim that Atkins was trading in the drugs ecstasy, speed, ketamine, GHB, cocaine and sleeping pills in the months before Matt disappeared and that he had seen Atkins and Matt counting money made from selling the drugs, several thousand dollars, on a number of mornings after a visit to the club. Another witness, Mr Rogers, said he saw a drug-affected Atkins at the sleaze ball on October 6, 2007, days after Matt's disappearance, and the two men met in Atkins' room at the Sydney Hotel on the next day for sex. A co-worker of Matt's gave evidence. Miss Ward testified Matt had told her Atkins was pressuring him to pick up boys for group sex, something Matt said he did not want to do, and that Atkins had been physically aggressive towards him. Now, uh, Atkins is quite well built, and don't forget, he's a martial arts expert. She spoke of Matt's plans to travel to London and of ongoing friction in his relationship uh, that he confided in her a number of times. Now, remember how Atkins was seen on CCTV buying a mattock and gaffer tape only hours after Matt was last seen? Well, that evidence was suppressed by the judge as police did not properly warn Atkins that he was a suspect before the interview. This surely would have swayed a jury as to his guilt. The trial lasted for four weeks, and the jury deliberated for five days, and eventually found him not guilty on all charges. The family was stunned, and the government placed a $100,000 reward for information about the killing of Matt. So let's get to November 16. At a coronial inquest at the New South Wales Coroner's Court in Glebe into the disappearance of Matt. Atkins lodged but failed in an appeal not to appear. However, he was able to do a deal in which he would be immune from prosecution on any evidence he gave. In the most basic terms, 
He tells the truth and the evidence he gives can't be used against him. The family reluctantly agreed to this as they desperately wanted their son back to give him a proper burial. Atkins finally did admit he lied during interviews with police. He indicated where Matt's body was buried, however a police search found only a white shoe and no body. The government has now increased the reward for information on the disappearance of Matt to $250,000, more than double what it was before. So let's go over what we know happened. Matt and Atkins were out at the ARQ nightclub. They seem to have a fight. Atkins takes Matt back to the car and is seen leaving the nightclub at 2.11. Atkins goes back to the ARQ nightclub 55 minutes later at 3.06am alone. At 3.20 and 3.30, Matt sends two text messages to a friend. This is the last known contact with Matt. Now the drive from ARQ nightclub back to their Tonkin Street home takes more than 30 minutes using Google Maps. So for him to drive home and get back to the club would surely take more than a 55-minute round trip, even if he was speeding. Later that day, Atkins goes to a hardware store and purchases a matic and gaffer tape. And Atkins says the items were to make a veggie patch. That in itself is sus, as he did not, he's not known as a gardener, and gaffer tape on seedlings is just farcical. On the Monday, Atkins buys a new pair of shoes. When Matt fails to arrive at work on Tuesdays, Tuesday, his relatives contact police. There's no answer from his mobile phone. Days later, Matt's car is found abandoned at a known gay hookup place, Waratah Park, not far from Atkins' place of residence in Cronulla. The large box speakers that took up two-thirds of the space of, uh, at the back hatch have been ripped out and a receipt for the matic and gaffer tape is found. When police search Atkins' house, they can't locate the matic or the gaffer tape. A search of his car reveals Matt's mobile phone under the carpet on the front passenger seat. They find the large subwoofer box speakers in his garage. During a police interview, Atkins is not told he's a suspect and the crucial video evidence and receipt for the purchase of the Matic and the gaffer tape will be ruled inadmissible once he's finally charged with murder. During the trial, Atkins refuses to take the stand and is found not guilty. Finally, after Matt's family get the coronial inquest open, Atkins is compelled to answer questions, but only does, does so after striking a deal where basically he's immune from prosecution. He finally admits he had lied to police and tells them where he believes Matt's body is found. After an exhaustive search, police do not find Matt's body. So Matt's family still ho- hold hope that one day they will get the truth. It seems so outrageous that the main suspect can lie so much and seem to get away scot-free. The fact that Atkins buys a matic and a gaffer tape hours after Matt is last seen is one of the things that really makes him guilty in my eyes and that, and that that evidence was inadmissible must be so frustrating to Matt's family. Someone must have seen something or knows something. There is a documentary that 60 Minutes did that you can watch online that really shows the heartbreak of Matt's family as they spend many weekends digging where they think Matt's body might be buried. 
There is a page for Matt on uh, australianmissingpersonsregister.com where you can view photos and news items related to Matt's disappearance. Also, for more information, you can go to the Facebook page Matt's parents set up called Justice for Matthew Levison. If you have any information about the disappearance of Matthew, please call Crime Stoppers on 1-800-333-000. There's a $250,000 reward. So I'll keep an eye on this case and I'll update it if new information comes to hand. Well, true crime islanders, that's all for this week. Look out for the next episode in about two weeks' time. There are Facebook links and Twitter links on the homepage where you can stream or download the podcast. iTunes should be available later this week. There is an RSS feed link on the contact page for your favourite podcast software. So this is your host Cambo signing off. Don't forget to delete your browser history. This has been True Crime Island, another true crime podcast.